Ho, ho, ho! Welcome to the Tuesday Night Podcast. I'm Alan Gerding, and this is episode 161 of the podcast that's all about the stories we make while playing the games we love on, around, and even under the gaming table. We're talking board games, and it's our Christmas episode. <laughs> and with me, I have... Wait, hold on. I gotta choose one of these things. And with me, I have the Charlie to my factory, Sean McCoy. Did you just imply that you have a list of paired sets that you pick from each episode? Maybe. Did I just peek behind the curtain a little bit? Maybe. I was sick and tired of crashing and burning, so I made a list. (laughs) That's real preparation. That's real devotion to the cause, which I respect and appreciate. But yeah, I'm here. I'm, I'm the factory to your Charlie. No, I'm the Charlie to your factory. You're the Charlie to my factory, sir. You're the one who passed the test and gets to ride my glass elevator. My uh, family had their annual Christmas party this year. It's always a big blowout, which is nice. But this year we had more people than we'd ever had before. Is this the same white elephant one where you brought condoms? No, that was like a church get together, whatever. But this is an official McCoy family Christmas thing. And historically, all my friends are there hanging out in the back. All my parents' friends are there. And there's just a big group of people mixing and mingling. This year, my aunt came, and my aunt, Stevie's mom, who you know, is dating a guy who is a clown, who is a a clown in Uh, Dallas. No, I know this is going to be very prejudiced and discriminatory, and there's some prejudice I'm okay with. No. Tell Stevie's aunt no. (laughs) I have clown stories. One of my mom's best friends was married to a clown for years. He eventually died of heart failure. Rest his soul, but tell Stevie's mom, no. Move on. Someone new. There's red flags, and then there's entire mansions made of nothing but red flags. I don't know how clear it would be, even if we wrapped your face in a gigantic red flag. I, Although I'll say Modern Family did probably the best portrayal of what it is to be a clown that I've ever seen televised, so I should prejudice down a bit. And there's also that gray area of mimes, or should I say, I don't know why it's funny, gray area when mimes wear white and black. No, he's a full-time professional clown. He pays his his mortgage. He's got a gorgeous house. This is what he does all the time. And my aunt paints faces and is a body painter. So they met through the mutual kid party circuit, which I think is pretty funny. (laughs) (laughs) He came to my parents' party, which he had never been to before. He was kind of a fish out of water. He wasn't dressed as a clown or anything, but he uh, didn't know anybody there except my aunt. There's like 60 people there, and a good quarter of them are Chinese because of all the international students my parents work with, and my dad speaks Chinese. There was a couple there that he had met at Subway that was Chinese, who he'd been like, oh my God, come to our party. So he's there, Tharpo. <laughs> he had asked wait, her. Wait, Tharpo is his name? No, that's the clown name. So I should say Tharpo isn't there. Tharpo isn't there, but the man who plays Tharpo is. Right, exactly. 
And he asked my aunt, are there going to be kids there? And she was like, I don't know. Probably. I haven't been to this Christmas party before. <coughs> Red flag. <coughs> just um, But he brought a bunch of balloons to make balloon animals with. He was just hanging around, you know, he's quiet and saying hi to people. And then all of a sudden, there's all the kids there running around with giant balloon swords, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious that out of nowhere, he was like, hey, and then balloon sword. And I was wondering if that's like his thing at parties, because it wasn't like he was around telling jokes and cracking up. But his way to interact was to do this thing that he knew how to do that was entertaining for a specific audience, right? Which was for the kids, which was to make balloon animals. Yeah, that is totally acceptable. Him bringing animal balloons is equivalent to us as game publishers bringing games to parties just in case. Hey, there's kids here. Why not? It's a nice fallback, right? (laughs) Those are good balloon sound effects. Thanks, man. We go to all these conventions, and so we have these pre-programmed social interactions, which are pitches for the game. We have jokes. We have ways that we sell the game. And they get honed over, I don't want to say years, but conventions, right? Which is hours and hours and hours and days and days and days. And most of the people you know at home... Aren't privy to that. So when you're teaching somebody to play, that's not lemonade. You get to bring in all these jokes and all this social pre programmed interaction that you've learned from doing the shows. And it kind of takes a little bit of a burden off of you to create small talk or get to know people if parties are not your thing, which they can be for me depending on who's there and what my mood is like, you know. Let me ask you bring this up because did Tharpo? Is that his name? That's the clown name, yeah. Yeah, so the boyfriend who plays Tharpo, did he have a whole rigmarole of jokes that he was telling as he was making these animal balloons? Is that why he brought it up? You know, he really didn't have all that patter as far as I can see. The balloons just appeared out of nowhere. It'd be kind of like he'd be like, hey, hey, uh, check this out. And then the kid would be like, oh, my God, and they're running off hitting each other in the head and and popping balloons and that sort of thing. It wasn't like he was calling a lot of attention to himself or making a big show of himself by any means. That's what the makeup's for. Right. That's what the makeup's for. You can be very subtle if your face is not, but he wasn't in makeup. So that was kind of a baller move. I'll admit, even in my cold heart towards clowns, he won some points there. He just nonchalantly brought balloons. But I don't know, man. I... It's supposed to be the Christmas episode. We should get to it. And this is relevant in that that was a holiday story. Mm -hmm. But before we do, I want to talk about what's your favorite shtick that we've honed together that we do at shows? Because I have a couple that come to mind. It's probably our elevator joke, which has nothing to do with selling games and is super inappropriate. (laughs) But it's probably my favorite rehearsed back and forth. Just for the knaves, knights, and nobles alike who are listening, we should probably do it. And this will save us from having to do an elevator pitch this episode. So there's a lot of people in this elevator. Imagine those of you at home. It's cramped. We're at a convention. So there's six or seven con attendees with their badges holding stacks of games. And nobody's saying anything because it's so cramped in the elevator. And Al and I get in and we ride in silence for a couple seconds. And then... So have you heard anything? Have... No, I think think we're okay. They found her body yesterday. Yesterday? Oh, shit. Well, we knew it was going to happen. We just didn't know it would be that soon. Um, 
but there was no connection whatsoever. Was it just in the paper? Was it in the news? Or you just heard this through family members? I just heard it through family members. The police came by and asked about it, but nothing there. I don't think they found your glasses. Yeah, I mean, they shouldn't, because that would be crazy, am I right? We, I mean, that was a good half-mile difference, right? <laughs> so it'll be some <laughs> amount of that. Usually it's a lot shorter. It'll be right before we get off the elevator, and we'll just sort of walk away. And, uh, and it's cool. People think we're murderers. Yeah, we just change it up every time. It's, it's, it's fun. It's our little contribution to the cons. All right. Sean, it's the Christmas episode, and by the time this comes out, it's going to be too late for people to go online and buy Christmas gifts. So we're not going to do the whole, what are the best board games to buy as Christmas gifts? But instead, what we're going to do is we're going to play a classic holiday-themed game together. Therefore, this is a Tuesday Night Playcast episode. (laughs) But I know what you're asking. What game are we going to play, Sean? We're going to play... Christmas Christmas movie movie or or not? not. For instance, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Is that Christmas or not Christmas? I have to admit, it's been a long time since I've seen that movie. And my recollection of it is kind of like my recollection of a horror movie. I just remember these scenes, like a kid turning into a blueberry or floating away and no real cohesive narrative. Do you remember the whole nightmarish psychedelic boat ride? That's usually where people really tune into how crazy and nightmarish that movie was for children. It's horrendous. I watched a lot more Chitty Chitty Bang Bang as a kid. Okay. <laughs> what a funny noise it's making. It's talking to us. All engines talk. What's it saying? It's saying Chitty 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 Bang Bang Chitty 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 Bang Bang 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 As a kid, I did not like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but as I got older, I definitely did because of that. What were they thinking with this Technicolor freaking nightmare? What was he saying the entire time? Slowly growing, minds turning. I don't know. Gene Wilder. He was amazing. That was pretty good. Oh, thanks. The danger must be growing for the rowers keep on rowing. And they're certainly not showing any signs that they are slowing. But was uh, that a Christmas movie or not? My gut says no, so I'm going to say yes. I don't think there were any indication that there was Christmas involved in that movie whatsoever. I'm not even sure if there was snow, although... There was a lot of dirt and maybe dandruff because all of his grandparents lived together in the same bed, which is some type of hedonistic den where they hadn't gotten out of bed in years. It's really a twisted movie if you think about it. So no, not Christmas. Let's go with this one, Sean. Die Hard. Christmas movie or not? For sure Christmas movie. Yeah, I love it. So why is it a Christmas movie, Sean? Well, it's about family being together it takes place during christmas the music is very holiday-ish like even hallelujah feels that kind of churchy christmas i said die hard not die hard alone are you confusing home alone with die hard no they play hallelujah and die hard (laughs) (laughs) here's the argument against die hard being a christmas movie people aren't sure that christmas movies should have a body count (laughs) but i'm with you 
I totally agree that Die Hard is a Christmas movie because of the scene alone where there's a Santa hat and Hans Gruber even says, now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. That right there, that spells Christmas to me. You can't have ho, ho, ho in a movie and it not be Christmas. And it's about a guy trying to win his wife back. He's trying to he's trying to reconnect with her before everything falls apart. It's a good family movie. My mom loves Die Hard. My mom is a sweet Filipino lady, and she hated action movies when I was a kid. And she had never seen Die Hard. And so last year, over Christmas, we had all gotten together to watch Love Actually. And then my brother, at the last minute, was like, we're going to watch Die Hard. And just kind of like rode over everybody's wishes, and we watched it. And then next, <laughs> and then she was like, well, maybe next year we could watch Die Hard 2. And we're like, that's, that's even less of a Christmas movie than Die Hard 1. And she was like, I don't care. It sounds fun. <laughs> So she was totally sold on the Die Hard franchise, I guess, out of nowhere. Hard left turn late in life. I love your mom so much, especially because she requests Werewolf for her birthday. She might be interested in the whole weekend Werewolf event, which just launched today at the time of this recording, so people can get tickets to the Ravenwood Castle event. What's your favorite Christmas movie, then? Right now, it's The Family Stone, which is kind of like a little family drama that I'd never seen before I got together with Lindsay. Is that the one with Jessica, what's her smell? And Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah. And they have a gay son. She doesn't, but the family has someone who's gay and Diane Keaton and the guy who plays coach. Yes. And Jessica, Sarah Jessica Parker, sex in the city lady. She said, I would never wish that my child would be gay because that's so hard. And then Diane Keaton got really upset. She loses it. Yep. That's the main part I really remember. Mm -hmm. I also remember, was it Dane Cook is in that movie? The comedian Dane Cook? No, you're thinking of Luke Wilson. Damn it. I've only seen it once. I know that one of the brothers is attracted to Sarah Jessica Parker even after she makes that huge misstep at the holiday dinner. That's right. So it's like the brother switch. The one moves in on the other's lady. There's a lot of people in it. Dermot Mulroney is in it. Um, Rachel McAdams is in it. Luke Wilson. Rachel um, McAdams is in it? What? Mm -hmm. She's the younger sister who's kind of a bitch. Man, I don't remember this. It's. I mean, <laughs> it's not like the greatest movie of all time, but we watched it and she loved it so much. And when you watch a movie with somebody who really loves that movie, you end up giving it more credit because you want to see what it was that they liked about it so much. And so I fell in love with the movie. Now we watch it every year and we cry and have a good time and we have inside jokes from lines in the movie. Like Luke Wilson at one point says to Sarah Jessica Parker, who's like embarrassed, she says, she leaves. He goes, well, hurry back, little lady, because we're all going to be down here talking about you. <laughs> and so that's like a thing we say <laughs> to each other now. You know, it's funny you say that. And I thought that was a Thanksgiving movie. Because of all the family arguing and stuff. Yeah. 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 Because I don't remember gifts in the slightest. I do remember colder weather, but I'm from northeastern Ohio. I'm near the snow belt. So I'm used to snow and I'm used to a snowy Halloween. So even here, which it's it's definitely a Christmas movie. You're not lying, right? There is Christmas. Definitely and that's Christmas why movie. They're done. Hugely revolves around the holiday. Okay. Well, whoa, 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 let's play. Whoa, whoa. What about you? What's one of your favorite Christmas movies? Oh, favorite Christmas movies. Um, my favorite movie, Sean, is a movie Jack Frost. No, I don't mean the Disney movie Jack Frost starring Michael Keaton. I mean the hilarious comedy slash horror movie 
Jack Frost, where a killer somehow gets combined with a snowmaking machine and becomes a killer snowman. It is purposely hilarious. I watched it so many times in high school with my friends. We watched it again and again, and it became a tradition. It had so many lines. I haven't seen it in years because I've had a hard time finding it. But, man, there's some controversial stuff in there nowadays. I don't think it's aged as well. He has these amazing one-liners like, don't eat yellow snow, as he's killing someone. And it's a total non sequitur because it's not like the person's eating yellow snow at all. Looks like Christmas came a little early. One cold night, science and evil collide. Oh, yeah. Now, a serial killer is on the loose. We hadn't even tested the acid on an amoeba, let alone a human cell. This is a disaster. Look, I just saw something that doesn't belong in this world, and it's out there killing my friends. Now tell me what it is. Jack Frost. Truth be told, I've never seen It's a Wonderful Life, but I know all about it. We watched it the other day again. It gets darker every year because it's a dark movie. Jimmy Stewart gives a wonderful performance. It kind of is born out of the labor movement and socialism because there's all this stuff about the banker and banks buying up towns and driving people to live in slums because that was... Hey, plot spoiler, man. I just said I didn't see it. That's true. But you did say you knew everything about it. No, I know. I know. I'm just, I'm totally rubbing your dick. Sorry. (laughs) It's definitely worth watching. It still holds up today for sure. It can be rough at times because it is a lot darker than you think a movie that old would be. Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. (laughs) So many people say, how have you not seen It's a Wonderful Life, even though you've seen so many movies and you take part in this great, is it Christmas debate? And the reason is everyone, it's this cliche movie that's always being played in the background of movies to indicate it's Christmas. When this movie, It's a Wonderful Life, comes on television, you know it's Christmas time. But that's never happened for me. It's not on television. Nowhere do I just stumble across It's a Wonderful Life. I've never been channel surfing and thought, oh, It's a Wonderful Life is on. Because if that had happened, I would have stopped and watched it right there, guaranteed. But why is it so popular with Christmas? My understanding, and I'm fact-checking myself right now. Ah, okay. So there were some issues with the rights in the 70s. And oh, yeah. I remember copy- hearing about this. It was the copyright was public domain at some point for some reason. So any network could play it mm-hmm. whenever they wanted to. Played it over and over and over again. So there's a whole generation of people who grew up seeing it on television in the background because it was playing all the time because it was cheap to play. And so that's where it gets sort of its enduring popularity. I mean, it's a great film. Frank Capra is really good. I love Mr. Smith Goes to Washington for these kind of like young, idealist 1930s movies. That's almost one of the reasons I have a hard time watching anything with Jimmy Stewart is because I love Mr. Smith Goes to Washington so much. And I love Alfred Hitchcock's Rear Window so much. When I start watching anything with Jimmy Stewart, I know this is going to sound dumb. I just want to go back and rewatch A Rear Window or Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, as lame as that sounds. It's just one of these things where I associate them so much with those two roles. And I know that's almost backward, but go on. No, I think that's perfect. This is a really good addition into that canon. Both this, along with Rear Window and Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, are just phenomenal performances on his end. 
and you could see why he's got kind of like this enduring legacy as this nice guy or this idealistic individual because Capra has all this like left-leaning socialist like guy against the crushing plutocrat state stuff and it's pretty pervasive in Mr. Smith goes to Washington and it's a wonderful life. And so it feels kind of timely again today because that stuff has sort of entered the public debate again about the evils of unchecked capitalism or the ideals of what it means to be an American. Jimmy Stewart is the classic epitome of that personification. Which is why Alfred Hitchcock cast him in a rear window, because realistically, he's being a voyeur in that whole movie. He has a broken leg and he's just watching his neighbors through binoculars and anybody else, people would think, this guy's being a creep. But he had to cast America's icon for acceptance. He cast Jimmy Stewart so people wouldn't have that meta view of the movie thinking, yeah, he's watching a potential murder happen, but he himself is a criminal. Like, he's being really creepy here. You don't think that for a second because it's Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> and people love to see somebody play against type. That's why Training Day with Denzel Washington or Taken with um Liam Neeson with Liam Neeson were such big deals because they were these heel face turns where these guys had built this reputation of playing the John Q everyman good guy for decades and then they finally turned and played these bad guys or action heroes that they really milked all their credibility in a very fascinating way I think what you're getting at here is totally accurate with Rear Window that Hitchcock could milk all this goodwill and sympathy the public had for Jimmy Stewart. Get away with it and make it a phenomenal film. My goodness. Have you seen A Rear Window? I actually haven't. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So we got to trade some Jimmy Stewart movies here. We got to get back on track because I think Knaves, Nobles, and Listeners and Alike are thinking this isn't a movie podcast. This is a game podcast. The trick is I'm framing it as if we're playing a game. Is it Christmas or not? So, Sean, Trading Places. Have you seen it? It's been a long time. But I remember there being snow on the cover. So I want to say it's a Christmas movie. Christmas movie because there's snow on the cover? And they trade places, right? And that seems like a Christmassy thing. Like somebody's poor, somebody's rich. Magic happens. They pee in a fountain. Now, like, everything's... It's like Freaky Friday, right? It is. A bit. So Dan Aykroyd is very wealthy individual. Eddie Murphy is a homeless guy scooting around on a scooter pretending he has no legs just to get money. Dan Aykroyd. This man is physically threatening me. And Eddie Murphy. Are trading places. Find out. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. This is a great, great mistake. It looks just like the dude that had me busted. Dan Aykroyd. Eddie Murphy. Billy Ray Valentine. Capricorn. Trading places. Coming this summer to a theater or drive-in near you. It is indeed during Christmas season, but people argue it isn't a Christmas movie because of the message it sends is entirely anti-capitalistic. The whole idea is that you're getting revenge on stock market tycoons is the whole theme of trading places. It's not really focused on Christmas as much as it is corporate greed is bad. It's a huge running theme in Christmas movies, right, is anti-consumerism because it's such a time of buying and selling. Elf has this anti-corporate message as does, do you remember Jingle All the Way with Arnold Schwarzenegger? <laughs> where they're all, is that the one where he's fighting to get the last toy with Sinbad? Isn't yep. Sinbad in there? Yeah. 
<laughs> they're fighting to get like an action figure. I've seen Sinbad in the airport twice now. In Cleveland or in two different airports? I, I'm a, I don't remember which airport, so I'd assume it's not in Cleveland. It wasn't like the airport you took off from and the airport you landed in, because that would make sense. <laughs> No, 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 no. Two, I, there were, I think, years between. Oh, wow. But Sinbad looks like Sinbad. I wasn't sure if it was Sinbad or not, but occasionally someone would walk up and ask him for his autograph. And the second time I saw him, I thought, oh, that's totally Sinbad. I don't think everyone looks like Sinbad. Sinbad looks like Sinbad. So don't even accuse me of that, sir. You went there really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> but you were saying jingle all the way. It does have that anti-consumerism because it's all about how everyone wants the hot toy and how they end up almost killing each other over this hot toy. All right, The Nightmare Before Christmas, Sean. Christmas or not? It has Christmas in the title. Yeah, it's a movie about Halloween Town deciding to celebrate Christmas, and I love it because it's about not trying to be something you're not. It's a really beautiful and deep movie that's got a lot of magic in it about, well, if, if we copy all the trappings of something, does that make us... That thing inwardly, you know, if I wear a suit, do I become rich on the inside? So I call it a Christmas movie, but it's it's in this weird in-between place. It's a holiday movie. I like what you said there. Holiday movie. Is it a Christmas movie or is it a Halloween movie? Or is it trapped somewhere in between where it's not really appropriate to watch it in either occasion? You're saying both. I think so. I think once it gets cold outside, you can watch that movie. If you have someone who's never really experienced Christmas, maybe they come in and you want to show them, here's the taste of Christmas, you'd show them The Nightmare Before Christmas? It wouldn't be my first introduction, but if there was a copy of Nightmare Before Christmas, Pulp Fiction, Aladdin, and a couple other movies, and I said, will you hand me the Christmas movie on that table? I think a lot of people would pick up Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, absolutely, because it has the word Christmas in it. Well, it's the Christmas season, and we had one knave submit a knave tonight submission specifically for Christmas. So we've been sitting on this. This knave tonight submission is from Kate Beringer. I'm not sure if it's Beringer or Beringer. How do you say it? I would say Beringer on first instinct, probably, because I've met Beringers before and I've never met a Beringer. Yeah. So I'll say this one's from Kate Beringer. that ever happened to me was on Christmas. God, it was so horrible. It was Christmas Eve. I was nine years old. Me and Mom were, were decorating the tree, waiting for Dad to come home from work. A couple hours went by. Dad wasn't home. Mom called the office. No answer. Christmas Day came and went, and still nothing. I heard you laugh. So the police began a search. Four or five days went by. Neither one of us could eat or sleep. Everything was falling apart. It was snowing outside. The house was freezing, so I went to try to light up the fire. And that's when I noticed the smell. Firemen came and broke through the chimney top. And me and Mom were expecting them to pull out a dead cat or a bird. And instead, they pulled out my father. He was dressed in a Santa Claus suit. 
He'd been climbing down the chimney on Christmas Eve, his arms loaded with presents. He was going to surprise us. He slipped and broke his neck, died instantly. And that's how I found out there was no Santa Claus. Well, Merry Christmas, Kate. Thank you for the submission. What do you think, Sean? <laughs> oh, man. Ho, ho, har! It be me, Captain Chesbeer, Santa Claus, and I be taking over this here podcast, but for a moment, ye see. For I want to set sail towards the holiday season full of the Game Crafter. That is correct. I be saying the Game Crafter, proud sponsor of this here Tuesday night podcast. (laughs) And nothing says Christmas more than tarot cards. Yes, tarot cards. Those larger than playing cards tarot cards, pagan in their ways, being able to soothsay into an individual's future, what may come next, or who knows, but the tarot cards. And why be I mentioning this here tarot cards? Well, it be a little known fact that there are many independent, talented artists making their own version of tarot cards. And where do you think they be publishing? Well, it be thegamecrafter.com. <laughs> Go ahead, check it out for yourself and see the plethora of options that you may have never realized tarot cards could provide ye. <laughs> so check out thegamecrafter.com for all of your beautiful and artistic tarot card needs. While you're there, check out their selection of independent games, vaster than the great seas themselves. And while you're at it, please give us a review on iTunes. Five stars would say Merry Christmas Tuesday Night Podcast. Follow us on all your social medias. We're talking your face chat and your snap books and, of course, the tweeters. We are at PlayTKG. Send us your comments, questions, concerns, or your Nave Tonight submissions via the electronic mail system podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. Spelled with a K, you cur, of course, in a ways. <laughs> Me apologies. I will let ye return to the holiday episode already in progress. Uh, ho, ho, ho. I think we should do our due diligence. Knave, approach we nobles and kneel to allow us to honor thee. We, on behalf of all knaves, knights, and nobles alike, applaud thine heroic and knightly contribution to this, the Tuesday Night Podcastle. 
allow us to dub thee Lady Gremlin of the Tuesday Night Podcast. Now rise, rise, Lady Gremlin, as the newest knight of the Tuesday Night Gaming Table. Yay! Yay! And Merry Christmas! Oh, man. And this episode is... Uh, it's a uh, uh, finish. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> Happy holidays, everybody.